All right, folks. So as we uh, enter into the afternoon session, I want to make sure that I give you the tools you need to close the opportunity gap for your your clients. It seems as though, uh, you know, I, if you listen to the panelists that talked in the morning and the afternoon, if you listen to Scott and some of the things I shared, it's strange that you heard some of the same things from the very beginning all the way through to our funders who are the folks who write the checks. And it's strange, yet it's important for you to see the trends and what was said regardless of who was saying it. So I hope that that was a point you grabbed uh, throughout the day. I do want to share some uh, thoughts with you and then I'm going to do an activity with you just to get us moving a little bit. There was a survey done about a year or two ago uh, when the state was experiencing a budget crisis. And this particular nonprofit center, the building that we're in, did a survey of its members and of nonprofits uh, that responded to the survey who said, this is how we feel if in fact the state budget did decrease or shrink, okay? If you are a nonprofit or nonprofit exec, you've been around uh, the past couple of years, you remember that time where the state budget definitely shrunk. And this is what was said by a couple of folks. It would be impossible to reduce or eliminate services if we lost some of our budget. As a result, people would go hungry and be unsafe. If the funding shrunk, it would be impossible to reduce services. Therefore, people will go hungry and be unsafe. Another nonprofit leader said, we are in a severe financial crunch before any cuts or delays will be implemented. It sounds like many of us, right? Where we're already financially tight, and yet due to the state crisis a couple years ago, this particular nonprofit said we were struggling way before the state started struggling, right? This last person said we would have to con uh, contact all vendors to delay payments to them. We have three payrolls that uh, every month and we will max out our line of credit. We would need to request an additional amount added to our line of credit. We, as a result of that, we would have to incur late fees and risk having our insurance policies canceled since they are all due on the first of the month. I shared those, uh, those quotes with you because if you remember what we talked about this morning, the necessity for partnerships comes from the shrinking availability of dollars. You heard the funders say that. We also heard me say this morning that there were 18, over 18,000 nonprofits and growing in the state of Connecticut. With a shrinking funding pool and an increasing number of nonprofits who are being registered in the state who are looking to access funding resources, funding will continue to be tight. Therefore, strategic partnerships are going to be necessary, whether you're a startup, you're small, you're a midsize. And if this wasn't you making this quote a couple years ago, it could be you in the coming years if you don't have the right partnerships. There are a couple of keys I want to leave with you, some of which have been said about the necessity of strategic partnerships and what you got to do to make sure that those partnerships are successful. Uh, number one, I will tell you to write this down. Make sure you are clear about your strategic needs and what you desire from a collaboration. You have to go into a relationship, a conversation with a potential partner, knowing what you want. Just because you work at a nonprofit doesn't mean you have to take whatever people give you. You're not subservient. You're not less than. You are equally important, equally impressive, equally impactful as your for-profit counterparts. 
As a result, you must go into these conversations, go into negotiations, go into these planning sessions, knowing what you want out of a relationship. Secondly, you got to be clear about potential partners you can collaborate with. Relationships don't fall into your lap. Sometimes they do, but not 100% successful, right? You're going to have to be intentional about who you chase after, who you reach out to, who you want to work with. And when you identify those potential organizations, begin to have conversations. One of my favorite things to do is to grab coffee. I told you that before. Coffee is a cheap date. You can get out of the office. You don't have to buy an expensive lunch. You can go to the, the neighborhood coffee shop, wherever you are in town, and just have a conversation, casual, and begin to talk about where there's synergy, where there's overlap, where there's a connection. Number three, consider practical implementation challenges. Just because you get along during your coffee date does not mean it will be smooth sailing. A relationship, a partnership will require intentional integration of your programs, your services, your staff, your resources, your time, in conjunction with the partner you're trying to work with. As Scott said earlier this morning, relationships take work, both personal and professional. Continue to be intentional about how you integrate with the people you're going to work with. Fourthly, make sure you conduct due diligence and negotiate. Folks look sexy on paper. They look sexy on the gram. They're serving everybody in the community. They're, they're lighting it up. They're doing awesome things. But that sex appeal on social media or on the website or on any perspectives does not really tell the full story. And some of you ask that question to our funders. How do you get to the real? You get to the real by doing your due diligence. Go visit that location. Go visit their program operations. Go have coffee and talk to the person who's making the decision. Get a feel for their personality. Are they really plugged in? Do they know what they're talking about? Do they really understand the clients they claim they serve? Do they really share your values and your moral standards? Everybody looks great on social media, which is why we try to create some jealousy by posting our selfies, right? Hopefully you are having a good time, but it's intended to give an impression, a moment in time. But those images, those selfies you took and posted on our Facebook page at Career Resources CT doesn't tell the full story of the experience. If you weren't here, you really don't know what happened. If you understand that, then you understand the importance of doing your due diligence. And based upon what you see on the ground, based upon what you sense when you're having these conversations with people, it gives you the starting point to negotiate for what you want and what you need. Lastly, once you get past all of that, you want to collaborate on implementation, as we said before. But here's the other key and probably the secret sauce to all this. Adjust as needed. A relationship is not static. Okay. Things change after the first date. Market conditions shift after the first date. Funding limits, funding maximums change after the first date. 
Sometimes a customer may complete a survey and tell you what they're looking for and all of a sudden given some personal challenges that they're facing as a community or as a people group or population type, their needs adjust. If that is the case, then you, my friends, have to adjust as needed with your implementation. Be flexible with your partner. Be flexible enough to know how to make the right adjustments at the right time to meet the needs of your customer. Any questions about those five points I shared? You want to add one? Yeah, sure. Hold on a second. Uh, there you go. Uh, make sure that whoever's on your team when you're initiating that partnership has good people skills. Because just because the person is knowledgeable, that doesn't mean they're the right person to start forging those relationships. That's interesting. And yeah. I say that because a person in our organization, we have a couple of people that are really good at partnerships, but the one who's the best at it, people really, really like her. Yeah. They really like her. And she's got great people skills. And so, like, you may have maybe you and maybe your, I don't want to pick up finance people, but finance director. So maybe the finance director is great for finance, but if you're trying to develop a partnership, maybe that's not the time to bring the finance director in because we talk money, dollar, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that's what I'd like to add. That's good stuff. The people, the people on your partnership team. Any other comments or questions? No questions. Just one last thing. Someone left their phone on here. Oh, okay. Someone left their cell phone, their iPhone. If you left their iPhone, I have it up here. Any other comments or questions? Yes. Repeat, repeat number three. Uh, consider practical implementation challenges. Challenges, yeah. Any other questions or comments about those five key points? Thank you. All right, so the partnership canvas. These are the directions that will explain to you how to navigate this tool. This tool is intended to be uh, an activity for all of us to participate in. I am going to ask that you uh, get into groups of two or more. You can get into large groups. It's totally fine, but at least two people. The reason I'm asking for at least groups of two is because there are enough people in this room where we can possibly forge some real relationships and partnerships for the sake of our customers, okay? But before you get in groups of two, I'm gonna ask that you take at least 10 to 15 minutes to scribble some notes down on this page. And you're gonna talk about you. You're first gonna talk about what value you can offer to a potential partner. You wanna think about your mission, your purpose, your competency, your plan, a new strategic plan if you have one, whatever it is, you want to talk about the value you offer, which is at the bottom right corner of this triangle. Secondly, as we talked about in the five points, you need to also create some notes about the desired value you want. What do you want out of a partnership? What do you want out of a relationship? How do I think about that, Dr. Clark? Think about your customers. What do they need right now that you cannot provide? What can't you afford that maybe somebody else already has funding to provide? Desired outcomes you want from a partner. And as you work on those two items, then you can start to talk about what created value we can have together. If we joined up together, if I partnered with you, 
to exchange value. What's the creative value we can have? I want you to spend some time on this, thinking about it from a singular selfish perspective so that you're clear about what your organization can and can't do, what your organization wants or does not want. After we spend some time, I'll give you the signal. We can start to get together in groups. And for the next 60 minutes, I want you to have some serious conversations with people in this room that you can possibly partner with. You may figure out, I need to partner with folks who are in the Waterbury area or the New Haven area or Hartford area. You may say, I need to partner with people who are doing reentry, youth services, workforce development, recovery, etc. I want this room to be loud with noise. That means you're going to have to find out who's who and what's what before you get settled in your group. You may have to ask somebody, what do you do and who do you do it for and where and how? Before you start to get settled into a group, you may be in the middle of a conversation 10 minutes in and somebody else may join your group because they're just not realizing I need to be at this table. If that's going to be your experience, let me put you at ease. It's OK, because in real life, this is how partnerships work. Sometimes you're bumping into each other and you're trying to figure out who's who and what's what in the middle of the noise. Sometimes you're late to the party. Sometimes you're early and other people are joining your party and you want to welcome them in. If you're going to have the relationships that were talked about today from Scott to me, from Jay to the two panels, this is how we simulate this in the real world. Does that make sense? If at any point you get lost, click on the link that you clicked on, reread the directions. I'm going to ask that you use me as your floating consultant. Use me to ask me questions to help push the conversation along. If you're unsure about how you can move forward with somebody and you're trying to think of ideas, Pull me to the side, because what I would like to see happen out of this exercise is not just to keep you occupied, but for you to actually say, I'm actually going to call you tomorrow so that we can have coffee. And we have something to talk about now. Does that make sense? All right. Spend the next five to seven minutes taking notes about your organization on this tool. I will give you the signal for you to start networking, exchanging cards, phone numbers, email addresses, etc. And just as a selfish plug, because I have the pulpit right now, uh, in the back of your program is uh, a program by Career Resources for WIOA Youth. My team, who is scattered around this room, are also listed in this program with their email addresses. If, in fact, you see something that makes sense to you, whether it's the WIOA youth program and we're hiring for young adults right now, you need to find out who's who and what's what from career resources, grab them, tackle them, and try to figure out how you can partner with them. We are hiring young adults now. We're desperate to hire more young people. If that doesn't fit, uh, fit you and it doesn't float your boat, on another panel of this program, you see a description of our services from Hartford to Norwalk, to New Haven, to Bridgeport, to Waterbury, and everywhere in between. If you see something you like, find a corresponding staff member on this in this program, tackle them right now, and figure out how you can work with them. We are eager to work with you, all right? So over the next five minutes, the time is yours, and I'll give you the signal to start networking.
conversations to a close thank you thank you for indulging in this activity thank you for participating thank you I really appreciate it uh, before we get into the feedback portion of this uh, exercise uh, I do want to recognize I don't see her in the room I do want to recognize uh, Kate Kimberly uh, Kate is the person on on staff who put this entire thing together so in her absence thank you Kate uh, I want to thank um, the entire Strive team who contributed in one way or the other to uh, the material you have in front of you and who has uh, indulged me over the past two and a half years in creating a collaborative environment around uh, Strive Connecticut statewide. So to all of my Strive team members, thank you uh, for your contributions. I do want to thank <clears throat> uh, Angela Pellegrino-Grant who uh, writes uh, all of our grants, who brings in the money and keeps us paid. So uh, she's uh, important to us. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Ann, for your support as well. And uh, as I said earlier, a uh, big shout out to uh, Scott, our CEO, who uh, is a, a partner and a champion for this type of work. So uh, just wanted to make sure that was known as I had your attention. Um, can I get... Marcus and uh, Kiwan to pass the mics around. As we were having this conversation, the room quickly got noisy. What did you observe as you engaged in this activity? Please raise your hand. Uh, you'll get a microphone just to make sure everybody gets heard. So what did you observe as you engaged in this activity? Not everybody at one time. 
There you go. Thank you. I think what I saw mostly is just the passion people had for the work that they're doing. Okay. It, it came through clear and their commitment and their passion and also their, some of the challenges they face. And so I think that's what came through the most and that's what you want to you know, get out of a partner, somebody that's passionate about what they're doing. That's good. What did you observe as you were engaged in this conversation? Raise your hand so you can get a mic in your hand. I see a hand up here, Marcus, and Kiwan. Yeah. Raise your hand. Yeah. Kiwan, here you go. Yeah. Um, networking happened. You know, so people looking for resources, um, really wanting to find resources. For yeah. Yeah, it's good. So again, it's certainly that passion as well. Yeah, it's good. Yes, ma'am. So it's a big bang. Yeah. That's, that's what I see. I heard a lot of that, saw a lot of that. Raise your hand. What did you observe? Oh, Angel in the back. Kiwan and Marcus, if you asked them to say, just say it too. <laughs> so I know my experience was that we had a very surprising connection and we were sort of surprised by what we came up with. And I think sort of looking around the room, it seemed like a lot of people, something like that happened where you maybe came into a conversation thinking one thing and were kind of surprised by, by what came out of it. It's interesting what she said. What did you observe? Yes, sir. I think uh, one, one of the things I observed was people uh, kind of getting out of their comfort zones and uh, kind of facing, you know, I know earlier this morning you talked about some of the fears and whatnot, instead of, you know, instead of staying in our silos. And I know for me personally, um, I did a little bit out to you know this table over here with Alicia and all that, not knowing um, who they were, not even sure like hey, could this possibly um, benefit either one of us? Only to be proven wrong and come to find out that um, it would actually be very beneficial. Um, so I did um, observe that. That's good. Yes, sir. passion, you know, the love that we have for the work that we do. So what I'm starting to realize is, it's like, as humans, like, we're real standoffish. Like, we, we really don't like conversing. We don't like, you know, mingling. Like, every space I go to is like the same feeling. You know, I literally just went to something just like this probably like two weeks ago. It was the same thing, but once you start getting to know people, once you start getting to, you know, talking and mingling, it's just like you get a different feeling. It's like it's a personal like, connection. Yeah, it's like, why do we feel that way? Why, do, why are we so standoffish? Why don't we like, you know, to be in other people's spaces? Yeah, yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. What I observe also is that while getting to know the individual or the individuals, you realize that you have things in common uh -huh. and that can also assist you in um, your line of work that you're doing. Just because you have something in common with one another on a personal level also can transfer to the professional level. I'm going to come back to that. Yes, ma'am. So one of the things that I noticed, especially when I was talking with Elsa Mendy over there, is that we went very deep below the surface in terms of getting to the root causes of issues. And so just to share really briefly, I'm a community organizer throughout the 
State, and I work with people who, on a variety of different issues, but one of those issues being criminal justice reform, and he is a medical case manager and works with people who are at risk for HIV in the greater Hartford area, and so I really, I went, like, immediately to the bone and said, okay, well, do you work with LGBTQ individuals because they are at very high risk for contracting HIV, and are you hearing any of the socioeconomic factors that lead people to being at high risk? which are the types of issues to organize around to essentially cut those off at the root. And so that was one of the things that I observed in this exercise, to not just stay surface, but to really get at the root of the issues, because if we're not, then we're just going to be back here in three years from now having the same conversation. When you found out you had to engage and bounce around, and you started to actually participate in that, what were you feeling? But us, what were you feeling when you started to engage? For me, it's very natural because I don't feel a person, so I don't know what I did. Yeah, gotcha. You were cool with it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you are. Yes, you are serious. That was such the perfect moment. So perfect. So perfect. So perfect. What were you? She always listened to people's conversation, right? So nosy. What were you feeling when you were engaging? What were you feeling? just person-to-person connection you know we work in a business of connecting with clients you know but sometimes but for some reason there's a barrier with, between us connecting to a counterpart agency um but having but being forced to kind of have that sit down conversation you quickly realize like man it's a person doing the work just like i'm a person doing the work so even if our um even if our missions or our agendas don't necessarily align the conversation still easily flow because it's a person-to-person conversation yeah what were you feeling Talk to me. Oh, Devana. Um, just to co-sign on what Marcus was saying, the conversation that was taking place here, even though we were we served different um, populations, the the passion was there. The we were able to relate to one another. It was like the more we talked about what we did, you could see how the dedication was there. We were able to finish each other's sentences because it was the energy was just ridiculous. But you know, but it was like you you could actually see people not just being in program mode, but they actually care about what they're doing and they actually want to see progress. And then when um when Tiffany came over, we were actually able to you know give her insight and hear what she had to say. And it was just like everybody was on the same page as to. This is what I'm doing. I hear what you're doing. You know, supporting each other and just and just vibe, sorry, vibing off each other. You know, <laughs> you know, and it was it, it it was a good feeling. It really 
good feeling. Casual environment creates that, right? Helps. So I was being the eavesdropper. Who? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, Ann. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm. You know, just keep doing it, and uh, I feel the passion in the room. And I also would like to take this opportunity to thank you, Willie, and for a conference well done. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ann. So I was floating around the room listening, and it was kind of weird. I was hovering over your shoulder and <laughs> writing these throwing messy notes, notes throwing notes on the table. <laughs> And if you notice, I was not a consistent presence in any of your conversations. But when I was present, what did you notice about me and what I was doing? What were you picking up on my behavior? What, what do you mean? What are you talking about? noticed that you were bringing us back to gems that were being dropped right like things that so that we wouldn't miss it like real connect connecting faces um, and you kept bringing our attention back to it so in case it was something we overlooked you brought us back to it and I was able to pick up like yeah he just said that like you're able to do that also I noticed when you would come over and even though you put the notes down it was like someone eavesdropping on a conversation but was able to co-sign what was being said because you were able to, because we were we were like on the same page and you were able it was like you were able to connect with what was being said not knowing where we were coming from not knowing what agency we were representing but because we were like-minded you were able to come in and co-sign on certain things so that i saw you i saw a lot of your notes as being like a co-sign as to you were able to connect what we were saying Anyone else? What did you notice about my behavior? Even though some of them were minor. I'm sorry? Even though some of the things that were written down and said were minor. Good. That's good. What else did you notice about my behavior? Um, so something that I noticed is that, is that um, sometimes when you're having just active conversation between two people, you might glance over things that 
you didn't really pay attention to, which might be key components of a partnership with a person. Mm. So it could just be casual conversation, but you you writing down kind of the epitome of what the of where the connection could actually be. When it's just two people kind of talking about what I do and what you do, but by you kind of condensing it to just a to just a word or a phrase, it kind of gives attention to where a partnership can stand between two people. So. Um if you have a sticky that I scribbled on, just pick one random and just yell out one at a time a word that I might have written down. So, she said she she said I wrote down MRT. What what does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to the conversation? Thank you for that. Someone else, a random sticky I wrote on. Yes, sir. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember it when I was up there. Um, you had put a state funding. What does that mean to you? Into well, the conversation. You know, when me and Sandra were talking, and I see, I don't even want to mispronounce it. I'll see Mindy. Yes. Yes. We were talking about a variety of different um, things, what we all do, and Sandra you know, was kind of talking about state funding or the lack. Mm. the limitations of state funding. And I think that becomes a broader conversation sometimes when we are looking at partnerships on, okay, what is the capacity and capability of this partner based on some of these um, state funding restrictions? So that, that's kind of what I took away from that. It's interesting. Yes, ma'am. What word you got? Well, on one sticky you put Mom used to live on Bishop Street. <laughs> what does that you know, mean my, to the conversation? That meant because we were talking about, well, my office is on Bishop Street in Waterbury. And um, the, young, the young man, he was saying how his mother used to live on Bishop. You know, and so that, that right there, I, I saw the note as he had a, a true connection as to the environment that the offices as well as the population that I'm serving, you know, and so he, it was not so much a personal, so it, he was able to take his personal point of view and now be like, okay, there, now there's a program there that's meeting the need of the people that are there and he knows exactly what that population is about. So interesting. Yes, ma'am. What word? Housing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyone else? Random word that I wrote down that seems so insignificant. Yes, sir. Uh huh. And what is that? What did that mean to your conversation?
gym or um, just in your leisure time, like making sure that you just take care of yourself and, and so you can take care of other people. So, so let me ask a serious question. What does making time have to do with the work you do? Huh? What does making time have to do with the work you do? mean that okay work-life balance that's it because I wasn't going to say that that's interesting so what else what is what does making time have to do with the work you do burnt out self-care That's interesting. Yeah. Also, I've heard somebody say burnout. Also, making time means you also need to make time for you to step back from the situation, to step back from your job. Because let's face it, the job that we do, we don't we don't just let it go the minute we leave the office. So we have to learn how to be able to step back from it. Although we are constantly thinking of not to let it be your main focus, but just take a step back, get a better point of view. Because sometimes you become emotionally attached, even though you don't want to be, it's going to happen because you're dealing with people's lives. And so you need to take a step back for yourself first. Make sure that you're in the right mindset. Make sure your emotions are intact. So therefore, you're not working on emotion, but you're actually working on the need of who you're providing for. Yeah. Which ties into the word I was going to say, which was staff morale, because oftentimes it's a challenging word and frustration that come with it. So being mindful of that and taking I actually brought it back to a word that was used for either this morning, which is intentionality. That being intentional to either take time for yourself or to uh, take time to look at a bigger picture or to take time to do service and delivery or take time to do whatever it is that brings you joy and, and makes you feel alive at, at work or outside. What's interesting about these random words that I wrote down is in some cases I wrote down words that were completely insignificant to the work you do. If you just peek at some of those words, some were just completely off the wall and, and some of you looked at me and chuckled and said, oh, okay, okay. But what's interesting about conversations with potential partners is you never know which keyword will actually make a connection between you and that person. I thought about when you said making time that that was a non-work statement that could have been used to find out where we connect as two people. Doesn't matter what your position is, what organization you work at, what you do, where your funding comes from, it's just the fact that you and I are here. We're overwhelmed. You talked about GPS. That was the word I wrote down because you currently live in Fairfield County. You're moving to Manchester and you, it, you're trying to find your way around. An interesting conversation point is where's good food? Where's good shopping? Where do people hang out at? You know, just non-professional questions. Those things make a big deal when building 
strategic partnerships. And I think to, to the point that some people made earlier, some people have, uh, they, they mystified the process. Until you start to humanize the person, it, it will remain mystical. These little sticky points, they represent making it just as simple as that. How much more can you connect with someone if you just take the time to look at the sticky note? This seems complex and difficult. It seemed impossible. Many of you looked at me and rolled your eyes and said, whatever. <laughs> but when you really articulate who you are, what you want, and you begin to have these conversations where keywords are thrown out, that start to draw a connection between you and them to the point where you and them become we and us. Your clients win. This was the whole point of today. It's not about you. It's not about your promotion, your salary increase, your salary or your job security. It's not, it's not about that. Today was about your customers. Every talk, every keynote, every presentation, every conversation was about your customers. The exchange of business cards was about your customers. I really hope that as you walk away from today, and you process everything you heard, everything you've seen, that you go back to work tomorrow, next week, this summer, this new fiscal year, renewed. Renewed because now, when you didn't have the capacity to do more for your clients, you made a friend at the Emerging Leaders Conference who can help fill a need for your customers. You don't have to work overtime anymore to go help a client because there's a partner I met at this conference who can plug that need. Or there's a partner who's getting ready to go after some funding, state, private, or otherwise, that maybe I can play second position to that can get me additional resources for my clients. This is how we begin to close the opportunity gap for our customers. Slowly, but surely. And when we do this, this type of work, when we go have coffee, bring our sticky notes to the cafe and just start documenting the little things you're hearing, the person that really wins are the people that walk through your doors. You're talking about loving you and appreciating you, thanking you for what you do. It begins with stuff like this. Any parting thoughts or questions before we dismiss for the day? Oh, that was a question to me? Oh, I thought you were just talking. <laughs> What's the question again? Because I was like, oh, what would you say? So, for individuals that are new to the partner relationship game, to reaching out due to the anxiety of kind of staying closed off, what advice or would you give them how they approach Yeah, so that, that's a good question. One of the things we do at Strive, uh, we, we use a buddy system. And for those members, members of the team who are just now getting out of the office on a regular basis, attending roundtable meetings, reentry meetings, coming to events like this, we try to do our best for those persons in the right position to follow someone who knows how to do this. 
one of the things we know best is uh, that the best learning takes place through observation and experience. All right. So there was a time in my career that I followed suit. I followed this advice and I would just follow my superior to a meeting. I would be in the corner taking notes, observing the, the soft cues, the social cues, the body languages that said, yeah, I agree. No, I disagree. I can't wait till you finish this meeting. I can't wait to sign this contract. I noticed all those things in the corner. And as I kind of moved in my career and I wanted to share those tips with people uh, on my team, I began to use that. A buddy system is great. So if you have that anxiety and you're not sure how to do it, I recommend find somebody you trust. Hopefully they work with you on the job. Somebody that is a superior who has that type of exposure and just tag along. Take notes. Another thing I'll tell you too as you're doing this, uh, what has helped me over the years is to keep a journal of things you're learning and observing so that you know you can go back to see how far you've you're grown and things you want to work on. Other questions, other comments? Anybody want to contribute to that question? Any other questions? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's me. That's my podcast. Thank you. I bring rain with me. To take the blinders off. If I'm looking to partner with someone and I keep my blinders on, this is what I do, and I've got to find somebody who does exactly this too. I'm going to be walking up a dead end street. So maybe what I do is look at their cousins or their second cousins or their third cousins and broaden out the type of partner that I'm looking for. It's interesting. Yeah. Good. Anyone else? Closing thoughts, questions? Oh, yes. So I, just, I wanted to, to follow up on what you just said that um, I, I actually didn't fill this out when I took part in this exercise, and that was because um, Career Resources has such a broad portfolio of programs that I can pretty much guarantee that I can find something that we have, that we have in common with every single organization represented in this room. And so I specifically said I don't want to walk into a conversation saying this is what I want out of a partnership. I want to see what the other um, organization wants, what the other person wants, and what they need, and figure out where we have, where I have space that could, could fill that need. Um, and, and it worked out, it actually worked out fascinatingly well. Um, and so, it's so sometimes I think you do in these partnerships have a specific need and you need to reach out to someone who, who you know can, can fill that need and you have something specific to offer. But I think a lot of the time, if you sort of take off those blinders and say, what do we, what do we have in the community? What's our place in the community? And, and what are ways that we can fit that together with an organization that we were maybe expecting? You can do some really interesting things. Thank you for that. Any other closing thoughts, questions? Yes. So um, I think it's also important to remember when you think about when you're looking to partner with them, think about it from the standpoint of your organization, think about it from the standpoint of the client. Mm. And also, too, don't necessarily think about it from a beneficial standpoint. Because one of the things that I'm learning is that um, sometimes the partnership that you have with 
good. Anyone else? With that being said, Kate, you weren't here earlier. I wanted to thank you for all that you've done uh, over the past handful of months. I appreciate you. I just want to say thank you, friend, everybody. You're welcome. I just want to ask everyone who has any garbage they want to empty on the way out to use that can right by that door. Thank you, Kate. And <laughs> if you want to get in contact with me, just pull out the program. Feel free to email me or anyone on the team. We'll be glad to work with you and talk with you.